So let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are creator and sustainer. You are our light and our fortress. You are our wisdom and our strength. Thank you for freedom. You moved upon men and women to establish this great nation. You stirred men and women to hope and to dream for a land of freedom. And we praise you for this great nation. We thank the men and women of this great nation who have given their lives and are serving to protect our freedom each and every day. We give honor where honor is due. May we never take for granted our freedom, for there are those who have been given slavery instead of freedom. They have been stripped, and we say, Lord, have mercy. May we never forget the greatest freedom that you have brought to us through your son, Jesus Christ. For your word tells us whom the son has set free is free indeed. For this, O oh God, we are thankful and we are grateful that we are free. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. There still are some seats up front. I do promise I won't bite. I can't guarantee I won't spit, but I'll do my best. It's so good to be together with you today. It's a chilly day to be together and gathering, remembering, and, and, and just uh, recognizing Jesus together. In what remains one of my favorite movies of all time, Mel Gibson portrays William Wallace in Braveheart. And in Braveheart, William Wallace, gathering the, the, Scottish, the Scottish army together, says, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. That's all I got. That's all I got for three years of being in Scotland. <laughs> so I was able to visit the Wallace Monument uh, a few years ago, before actually a trip earlier to Scotland, and saw William Wallace's sword. And this thing is massive. You would not, it is, you see it, it's crazy. It's tall, it's as tall as I am. I cannot imagine a real human being being able to actually wield that in battle. That's his real sword. So somehow William Wallace was crazy. But he eventually did give his life, and he did, through that, he didn't see it, but he, the Scots did gain their freedom that he was hoping for. Freedom. That's, that's a word that, that, that resonates with um, the American story, right? Freedom. It's almost part of our upbringing. It's part of, it's part of the, what it means to be an American. We talk about, we value freedom. We, we sing it we, at the national anthem every time before a sporting event, the, 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 uh, the land of the free and the home of the brave. On our coins, it says liberty, if you ever take a minute to notice. It's all on there. Liberty, freedom. This is part of what it means to be an American. And tomorrow, as we remember the veterans, like, like uh, Steffi was talking about, we are so grateful for the freedom we have. So grateful we can gather and worship like this in freedom and not fear. Grateful for the opportunities and the autonomy we have in this country because of our freedom. I'm really grateful it's something we get to remember and be grateful for tomorrow. And as important and worthy of celebration, that definition of freedom is, and our American value and freedom is, today's text calls us to take a new look, another look at our definition of freedom. Maybe find an even more true definition of freedom, at least freedom that comes in Jesus. Let's look at our text today. It's Galatians 5, 13 through 15, a short one today, so it'll be an easy one for us to read together. Let's do it. 
For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. This great text starts by reminding us what Paul has been telling us for the past few chapters and what we've been talking about in Galatians. We are free in Jesus the Messiah. We don't earn our way to God through some sort of obedience to the law or through our strivings for the fulfilled life of through good or sinful ways. We actually then receive the gift of transformation that inevitably accompanies our being reconciled with God as a gift and a call. We are chosen by God, freed by his grace alone. That's the gift and the call of our freedom in Jesus. But now Paul fills in the nature of this freedom. He goes on to say what I consider is a better rendering of of that verse. Do not turn your freedom into an occasion for the flesh, but through love become slaves to one another. Do not turn your freedom into an occasion for the flesh. And remember Paul talks about the flesh being the sinful nature. Our Christian freedom is not meant to open the door to sin, but instead we are to, through love, become slaves to one another. This is a striking line. Remember, if you look at Galatians, again and again, Paul keeps telling these Galatians, you're not slaves, you're not slaves, you're not enslaved, don't be enslaved, don't go back to slavery, and now all of a sudden, become slaves? He just told us for five chapters not to be slaves. Become slaves to one another in love. It's a pretty powerful switch. As I was wrestling with, how do, we, how do we talk about that? How do we envision that switch? Freedom and being sl- enslaved at the same time. The best and most concrete example I could think of was Jesus. Sorry about the Sunday school answer. <laughs> but uh, but it was the, it, it's all I could think of. How, who do we see that did it, does this? Jesus does. And we see Paul telling us that in the Christ hymn in Philippians 2. Where it says, Christ Jesus, who is in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the very form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus was the only truly free one. As eternal son, he lived in the freedom of God from eternity past, free. But in love for a rebellious and broken and estranged humanity, Jesus became a slave for us. In slavery, he assumed our humanity, lived an obedient life in our place, died for us, and rose for us so that we could be free. The free one became a slave for us. Jesus lived this perfect human life in in perfect communion with God that we can't live. Because of our sin and a stranger from God. In this way, Jesus is the first and only true human being. As as Karl Barth says, Jesus is the only person who perfectly knows the love of the Father and perfectly knows the power of the Holy Spirit. In his life, Jesus is actually exalting the human nature to freedom from sin and to communion with God out of the mess that we're in. Pulling us up to be with God the way we were meant to be what would actually be 
true humanity. So he shows us what it means to be fully free by being slaves to us. So Paul goes on to describe how the Galatians are to become slaves to one another. Quoting Leviticus 19.8, like Jesus did when he talked about the great commandment, he says that the sums of the law and the statement to love, to love your neighbor as yourself. Our neighbor is anyone, any human being we might come in contact with. In a certain way, this commandment sums up the whole law. Because as we love our neighbor, who we can see, we are loving the God we can't see. Like it says in 1 John 4, those who say, I love God, but hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen, does not love a God whom they have not seen. So in other words, God's God-empowered love for neighbor reveals our love for God. And so Paul sums it up in that way. So let's put those pieces together. Paul calls us to live in freedom by becoming slaves to one another in love. Jesus embodies this loving freedom, shows us, and actually does it for us in our place and on our behalf. And now our call is to receive that freedom from Jesus and follow him in love for our neighbor. In short, Jesus frees us to love. Now this definition of freedom doesn't match so well with our typical definition of freedom. The ability to choose whatever I want. Think of your favorite fast food restaurant. Mine is Chipotle. Anyone like Chipotle here? Before the E. coli scare? <laughs> okay. Okay, so I can come stand in front of this beautiful board in, at Chipotle and I can say, this is how we typically think of freedom, right? My freedom is I can choose whatever I want. Today I'll take barbacoa with brown rice. I'll take the fajita veggies, the green and the red, and some cheese. Tomorrow I might go with carnitas, the white rice with the cilantro. I might, add, I might go with the black beans, and I'll go with the corn and the really hot one. Oh, and I'll take the guacamole for $2 extra, even though it's a ripoff, because I really want guacamole today. <laughs> but keto is not as good. That's a problem. It is free there. You're right. Oh. So this is how we typically think of freedom. We think of freedom like I can choose whatever I want. Or we think when we get old enough, we don't have to answer to our parents. I'm free to do what I can free to make any decision I want. Or even regarding what is right or wrong. I'm free to choose whatever I want. I'm free, right? That's the way we typically think of freedom. But it doesn't match with Paul's definition. So I'm wondering if you'll take a risk with me. This is a big risk because it's really hard to, to kind of change the definition of something that's so deeply ingrained. I don't know if it'll actually work, but will you try with me? It's nods, yeah? Okay, we're going to try to think about freedom in a different way. Try to think about freedom from what we see in the scripture, what, how we define freedom. So what we see at the Chipotle, Chipotle board, we'll call that human agency. By being made in God's image and God's gift to us is human agency. We all have choices. Okay, that's, that's one thing. Human agency, choice. That's, that's something God's given humans. But what we're going to talk about now is freedom. And now let's, talk, let's look back at Jesus. He lived in perfect freedom, human freedom, in communion with God and love for others. Now remember, Jesus was not some new being. He was not just Jesus Superman. He wasn't Jesus like this like mutant. Yeah, he, that's not what Jesus was. Although that's an amazing picture, huh? Jesus wasn't some mutant X-Men kind of thing that was like part human and part this. Something. Jesus was a real human being. 
And he lived in real human communion with God. So, but he lived, he lived in that way without shame, without sin, without hiding, without alienation from God, without hatred toward others, without jealousy, without envy, without using others for, their, for his own gain, without the insatiable desire for love and achievement. In short, he lived the perfect human life in communion with God that resulted in love for people. That is true human freedom. Now, let's think about sin. If human freedom were the Chipotle menu, our freedom would be to choose good or evil. Righteousness or sin, God or not God. But, as we understand sin and evil, choosing those things would actually be our own undoing, right? As Augustine teaches us, sin and evil aren't something that's like in themselves. They're actually a, a, a privation, a lack of good. When we choose away from God, we choose sin and evil, we actually choose to undo ourselves, to make ourselves less, to make ourselves less human. So if we said freedom was to choose good or evil, to choose evil would make us less human. How could that be freeing? That would be diminishing. That would be less freedom. Or think about this way. Choosing sin, whenever we think choosing sin, it doesn't lead us to more freedom. It leads us to more bondage. It's like the Pinocchio rule. One lie leads to a bigger lie, leads to a bigger lie, leads to a bigger lie, and there's no going out until you turn back, right? Choosing sin doesn't lead to more freedom. It leads to bondage. So the choice to choose sin or good, evil or good, God or not God, that's not the choice. That wouldn't be true freedom. Freedom comes only by choosing God, by agreeing with what God says is who we are as loved children of God, invited to love others. In other words, freedom is unidirectional. Freedom goes only one way. It goes with the grain of our true humanity towards, what, towards God, saying yes to who God is, yes to what God said about us in this world, yes to him. And in that yes, we find more freedom. We find we're more fully alive. We find we're more truly human. We find we're finding our actual, we were actually made for, saying yes to him. So freedom moves towards God. Freedom says yes. Freedom receives God's grace and freedom loves others. I have two ways to help us understand this. One's a little more lighthearted and one's a little more serious. So let's start with the lighthearted one, but I'm going to ask you please not to judge me. <laughs> please. <laughs> Some of you may recognize this young lady. You might recognize her. In my, in my family, our second daughter, Bella, is quite smitten with Elsa. I've heard the soundtrack and seen the movie, we'll just say, a few times over the past couple years. I think Elsa's story gives us a little glimpse into this freedom we're talking about that Jesus gives us. So go with me here. If you haven't seen the movie... Uh, I'm going to catch you up. If you, if you want to see it later, close your ears for a while, okay? Elsa begins the movie enslaved to the rules, the ways in which she feels like she must behave and, and conform and hide these powers she has to freeze things, right? Well, through a series of events, Elsa rebels, unleashes her powers with no restrictions, and she describes it this way, right? Let it go, let it go, can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go, 
turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. <laughs> Come on. Well done. Well done. Apparently, some of you have seen the movie as well. Elsa is claiming a, some type of freedom from her former hiding, shameful, constrictive life. But she's turned her, her, her freedom into an occasion for the flesh, an occasion for evil. Her choices, instead of leading towards her flourishing and her love for others, her choices have actually led away from that, leaving her isolated, leaving her, her, making her hurt others, even those she loves. She is not experiencing human freedom by letting it go. I can do whatever I want now. Just, uh, I'm fine. I don't care what anyone thinks. That's not freedom. It's actually led to bondage and isolation and loneliness and less humanness. So as you know, Elsa's plight and the plight of Rivendell is only solved by, the true, by true love's kiss. <laughs> Sorry, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I've been reading I've been reading uh, Lord of the Rings with my other daughter. The nine the nine just left Rivendell last night actually in my house. Well as you know <laughs> So anyway, Anna's got to save her, right? <laughs> and so Anna lays, is ready to lay down her life for Elsa. And in the end, Elsa's powers are truly liberated. She's free finally to be herself. Free from fear and shame and hiding. Free from the tyranny of these powers that have held her for so long in bondage. And now she's free to love others with the fullness of who she is. Even though Olaf gets some love. See, now the powers are used for good. Because her freedom is now being used to love others. To be slaves to others. Not just do whatever she wants. She experiences true freedom from sin and evil to love for others. That's our first picture of freedom. Well, the band comes up, I want to tell you one more. One more serious example of freedom in Jesus. We think about the racism that continues to, to haunt our country. We see it every, every, uh, this week, again, in fresh ways. After hundreds of years of the sin of forced slavery, our country continues to carry around the sinful effects seen in explicit acts of racism and in systemic racism that often goes unseen. As ones who are freed in Jesus, we're not to let our freedom, let, us, let it turn into an opportunity for the flesh, an opportunity for self-indulgence and self-exaltation, for, for chosen or ignorance or capitulation with unjust systems. We have a choice to use our freedom not to indulge the flesh, but to love one another. To love our neighbor as ourselves, to look around at our country and our world and our campus and say, how can I love those around me, those around me who are different? How can I understand them? How can I, how can I look and say, let's fight these evil, unjust things in this world, including racism in our country, in our city, even here on our campus. Let's fight these things together because Jesus has freed me to use and invited me in my freedom to love others. So we oppose evil, personal and corporate, not because it makes us right with God. Or proves ourselves to God. But because Jesus has freed us to love. This is the freedom of Jesus that we are invited into today. 
Let's sing about that love and uh, finish our worship time together.